0: We examine the first part of Ephesians 5, where Paul calls us believers to imitate God in our everyday life. He warns us that saints don't play with sin, saints don't participate in sin with the world. Instead, saints expose sin by their presence. He calls us to walk circumspectly, understanding God's will, and to live life filled with the Spirit. We share practical insights on how to live this way. All right.
1: We're going to uh, get ready uh, to make our declaration this this morning. And uh, let me see which verse we wanted to go to. Let's go to Romans chapter 4, please. Romans chapter 4. And uh, we're going to read verse 17 through 21. Romans 4, 17 through 21, as we get ready to make our declaration. Romans 4, 17 through 21. Paul says here, as it is written, I have made you a father of many nations in the presence of him whom he believed. God who gives life to the dead and calls those things which do not exist as though they did. And tells us about Abraham's faith. Who contrary to hope, in hope believed. So that he became the father of many nations according to what was spoken. So shall your descendants be. And not being weak in faith. He did not consider his own body already dead. Since he was about a hundred years old. And the deadness of Sarah's womb. He did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief. But was strengthened in faith. Giving glory to God. And being fully convinced that what he had promised. He was also able to perform. Now. God has given each of us this capacity, which we call faith, or the ability to believe. Each one of us has that. Just as muscle is to the physical body, or our mental ability is to the mind, faith is to your spirit. It's because your physical body has muscles, you're able to do something physically. It's because our mind can think and reason and analyze. We're able to do great things. We're able to invent. We're able to do so many things because we have that ability. So the ability to do something is because physically, because of the muscle. Mentally, it's because of our ability to think and reason. Spiritually, faith is that ability. Faith enables you, your spirit, to get things done. You with me? Jesus said, if you have faith, you can tell the mountain to move and it'll move. If you have faith, like Sarah, through faith, her, she receives strength in her body to give birth. Through faith, you can get things done through faith in God. But faith in God is based upon his words. You believe what he has spoken. You believe what he has said. That's why You're convinced. Faith is simply being certain about something. The reason you can be certain about something is because God said it. And you can be certain about it even when things don't seem to be going the way God said it would be going. Because his word is eternal. His word will prevail. Amen? So, for example, right now, maybe in your life you don't feel very successful. You don't feel like, man, I'm You know, I've achieved much. But his word says, you will be like a tree planted by the rivers of water. You will bring forth your fruit in its season. Your leaf will not wither. And whatever you do will prosper. So that's what his word says. His word says, whatever you do will prosper. Right now, maybe you tried three things that didn't prosper. So you're like feeling down. But your faith must not change. Your faith is certain that you are going to prosper because God has given you the guarantee. God said, whatever you do will prosper. So your faith is based on that. Your faith is always based on the word of God. And like that, concerning different areas of your life, concerning your healing, concerning your family, concerning your marriage, concerning your home, concerning your children. Your faith is based on what God said about that area. And you, you remain certain about the outcome, even though the present situation may not look very appealing or may not look like the outcome. And that's what happened in Abraham, Abraham's case. God was calling things that did not exist as they existed. Like it's not there in Abraham's life. God is saying it's going to happen. And it says there in verse 18, who against hope believed. He had no reason, but he still believed. He, gave, he was strong in faith. He did not consider the present circumstances. He continued to believe. And what happened? He became according to what God had spoken. Amen. All of us have the capacity to have faith in God. God's put that in us. Faith is expressed through the words we speak. We say what God says. We declare what God has said. Because his word is truth. Heaven and earth will pass away. Yesterday's circumstances, today's circumstances will all change. But his word will remain. So that's why you say what God says. Have faith in his word. Let's stand up to our feet this morning as we make our declaration. As we say what God says. Even if your circumstances don't match up to it, you say it anyway. Because this is God's word, right? Let's say it together. This is God's word. This is God speaking to me. I am who God says I am. I can do what God says I can do. I will become everything God has promised. I'm saved, healed, delivered, redeemed. I am blessed, victorious, prosperous, triumphant. I'm a minister of God, a servant of Christ, and a channel of His blessing to many people. I receive His word. I believe his word, and I live by his word. Christ is my master, and to him I am an absolute surrender. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Please shake hands to the person sitting next to you, and uh, say hello to them. Give them your name, and you may be seated, please. We have been spending the last several Sundays... um, journeying through Ephesians, we are looking at it portion by portion, and uh, today we are in chapter 5, Ephesians chapter 5, and we're going to look at verses 1 to 27, so if you have your Bibles, please uh, turn with me to Ephesians chapter 5, verses 1 to 21, sorry, 1 to 21. Let's read the entire passage first, and then if you will spend a few moments just Looking through it. And our few moments means 45 minutes. <laughs> it's a Ephesians 5, 1 to 21. Therefore, be imitators of God as dear children. And walk in love as Christ also has loved us and given himself for us. An offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet smelling aroma. But fornication and all uncleanness or covetousness, let it not even be named among you as is fitting for saints. Neither filthiness, nor foolish talking, nor coarse jesting, which are not fitting, but rather giving of thanks. For this you know, that no fornicator, unclean person, nor covetous man who is an idolater has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Let no one deceive you with empty words. For because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore, do not be partakers with them. Verse 8. For you were once darkness but now you are light in the Lord walk as children of light for the fruit of the spirit is in all goodness righteousness and truth finding out what is acceptable to the Lord and have no fellowship of the unfruitful works of darkness but rather expose them for it is shameful even to speak of those things which are done by them in secret but all things that are exposed are made manifest by the light For whatever makes manifest is light. Therefore, he says, awake you who sleep, arise from the dead, and Christ will give you light. Verse 15, see then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not be drunk with wine in which is dissipation, but be filled with the spirit. Speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. Giving thanks always for all things to God the Father. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Submitting to one another in the fear of God. So just a quick background here about Ephesians, the first four chapters. In chapters 1 and 2, Paul Begins his letter by describing to the believers about our life in Christ. About who we are in Christ. He says, in Christ we are blessed with every spiritual blessing. In Christ we have been accepted in the beloved. In Christ we stand before God holy and without blame. Covered by his love. In Christ, we are redeemed. In Christ, we have been predestined. In Christ, we have God's mark of ownership over our lives. And then he talks about God's great power towards each of us who believe. Then in chapter 2, he talks about the fact that in Christ, we are seated at the right hand of God. In that powerful place of great authority. In Christ, we have been brought near to God. We are part of God's temple that God inhabits By his spirit. So he has talked about this wonderful life that we all have in Christ. Then in chapter three, after describing a little bit about his own ministry, he goes on to talk about the fact that we all need to be filled with the fullness of God and understand God's great love and and, and grow in God. And then in chapter four, he says that Christ has placed in the church various gifts and ministries to help bring us all to maturity, to bring us to a place. Of Christ likeness. So having said all that. About our spiritual life. From chapter 4 verse 17. Which we saw last Sunday. He starts talking about our day to day life as believers. He says all that is wonderful. But here is how you have to live every day. He begins by saying. Do not live as how the Gentiles live. Or the unsaved who live. They walk in the vanity of their mind. They have their own. Way of thinking, they walk according to that, but don't live like that. But instead, you put off the old way of living and you start living according to the new man that you are in Christ. You all with me so far? Yes, this is chapter 4, I'm just reviewing So, live according to this new man. You are a new creation in Christ. You have the life and the nature of God in you. You have the uh, God kind of life in you. Live by that. Because the new man that you are on the inside is created in the image of God. God's image is in you. His life is in you. His nature is in you. And that nature in you has the capacity for righteousness and true holiness. So each one of us as believers, we have the capacity to walk in righteousness and true holiness. Amen? Say this with me. I have the capacity given to me by the new man inside of me to walk in righteousness and true holiness. All of us can do that. Amen? We can all do that. You are a new person inside. You have the very nature of God in your spirit. And Paul says that that new man can enable you and me to walk in righteousness and true holiness. And then he begins to get down to explaining what that means in everyday life. It means, he says, you stop lying to one another. It means, he says, that if there was someone who was stealing, you don't steal anymore. But you work with your own hands. It means, he says, that you speak words of grace to one another, edify one another. That's the new man in everyday life. Are you with me? So on the one hand, it's so beautiful that I am in Christ. We are, our lives are in Christ, and God has done all these things. But, you know, in everyday life, this, this new man has to mean something. And this is what it means. It transforms the way we live. It changes our, our attitude, our behavior, and so on. But he also places in there, in the last part of chapter 4, two warnings. If I don't walk according to this new man, but I continue walking according to my old way of life, he says there are two things. One, you are going to make place for the devil. And two, you're going to end up grieving the Holy Spirit. We saw this last Sunday. So now he's continuing that thought as we begin in chapter 5. And he starts off, we look at verses 1 and 2, chapter 5. He says, Be imitators of God as beloved children. So you know, the picture here is that of a little boy or a little child looking at its parent and says, Oh, daddy does that. I'm also going to do it. They copy the parents. So it says, you imitate God. As a child of God, you imitate God. And he says, I want you to walk in love just the way Christ loved. And he gave himself. For us. So this is the standard. This is the life of the new, new man we are in Christ. We are here to imitate God and we are here to walk in love. So let's say this together. Imitate God, walk in love. Let's say it again. Imitate God, walk in love. So that's how we're supposed to live. Now, keep in mind, God will not tell you and me to do something that we are unable to do. So you and I can imitate God. We can live that way and we can walk in love. He will empower us to do it. God will empower you and me to do what he would do in any given situation. So when you and I are faced with different things, challenges in life, you know, people treating us bad or whatever, every situation... Our response must be, what would God do? What would the Father do in this situation? What would my Heavenly Father want me to do in this situation? I'm here to imitate God. Are you listening? That's the way we live as saints of God. That's the way we live as believers. What would God want me to do? How can I walk in love as Christ would love in this situation? That's what we are called to live. And then he moves on. Let's look at the next few verses. Well. Verses 3 to 6, he says, but I want to get down to the details. He says, there are some things that should not even be mentioned among us as believers. It's not fitting for us as saints. Remember, he called us saints in the opening verse, Ephesians 1, 1, to the saints. So you and I are saints. So he's talking to us. He's saying, there are certain things that should not even be mentioned among you. And then he lists them. He says in verse 3, fornication and all uncleanness. It simply means every kind of sexual immorality. Fornication is sexual sin. Uncleanness is everything other, everything else. Every form of sexual immorality. It should not even be named among you is what he says. And then he says covetousness. And he says in verse 5, covetousness is the same as idolatry. What is covetousness? Covetousness is an uncontrolled desire to have something, a lust. I "I must have it. And it becomes so dominant in you. And he says covetousness is the same as idolatry. What is an idol? An idol is anything that takes the place of God in my life. So a covetous man is so desirous of something, that something has actually taken God's place in his life. Are you with me? So he says, if I'm covetous, I'm so greedy for something, it's consuming my desires. I'm same as an idolater. I've got something in me that's taken the place of God. So he says, no sexual immorality, no covetousness. Then in verse 4, neither filthiness, anything that, that's filth. Filth is just another type of sin. It's, it's, a, it's a type, it's a representative representative of sin, no filthiness, don't even just indulge with it, nor foolish talking, nor coarse jesting. Now that's getting pretty close. It's okay to humor a bit, but here he's talking about foolish talking and coarse, meaning rough, vulgar, obscene jokes. I mean, he's writing to saints, writing to you and me. (laughs) saying, saints, no vulgar jokes. So I probably say the same thing to you and me today. He says, these things are not fitting, not appropriate for saints, for those who believe in Jesus Christ. And then in verse 5, he gets really serious. He says, for this you know, meaning he's only told them all this, that no fornicator, unclean person, nor covetous man who is an idolater, has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Now he's writing to believers. He's not writing to the unsaved. He's telling believers, believers, if you live like this, if you continue in this kind of a lifestyle, I want to tell you straight in the face that no fornicator, unclean person, covetous man who is an idolater has any place in the kingdom of Jesus Christ. Now, this is the same man who in chapter 2, verse 8 said, for by grace you are saved through faith. Now, here's the problem with much of teaching in the church today on grace. Grace is a beautiful subject. It's wonderful. It's very redeeming, very liberating. But unfortunately, everybody only talks about the chapter 2, verse 8 kind of grace. They don't read on to chapter 5, verse 5. The same man who wrote chapter 2 verse 8 that said for by grace you are saved through faith also went on to say let me tell you saints that if any of you continue in fornication, uncleanness, covetousness, which is idolatry you will have no place in the kingdom of Christ. Now you don't hear that part. So unfortunately in the church today there is a very wrong positioning of grace in the church On one hand, it is great to know about the grace of God, which is very redeeming to know that, you know, God has has embraced me with grace, but grace is not a license to sin. Apostle Paul in Romans 5, after he talks about the abundance of grace, which makes us rule and reign in life, continues in chapter 6, Romans 6, verse 1 and 2. He says, what shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Verse 2, God forbid. How shall we who have been dead to sin continue any longer in it? Yes, there is abundance of grace. But grace brings with it the responsibility of living a life that is dead to sin. Are you with me? And then he says in verse, we're back in Ephesians 5. In Ephesians 5 and verse 6, Paul says, Let no one deceive you with empty words. In other words, I'm talking about this. He's saying, Look, if you as a believer you continue in this thing, these kinds of things, don't let anybody deceive you with empty words, empty promises. Don't let anybody tell you that you can continue living like this. Because what they're giving you are empty promises. Paul said it. Because he says, I want you to know something. That because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the children, the sons of disobedience. Meaning, you see the people of the world, they are continuing in these things. And they are positioning themselves under the very wrath of God. And he says, don't let anybody deceive you. Saying that you can do these things and get away with it. Now, I remember when I was in the United States, I was in college studying. And I started a little group for youth, for young people at that time. And uh, so serving the youth. And uh, I was in Cleveland at that time. And, and uh, there was a great evangelistic crusade about to happen in that city. One of the leading evangelists in our world was having, going to have a crusade in that city. So there was a lot of preparation going on. And uh, uh, one day after one of those youth meetings, one girl came to me. She said, I want to talk to you. I said, okay. You know, I was like, okay, what uh, you know, youth problems I can handle, you know. And then she said, okay, here's what it is. She said, I'm volunteering. I'm one of the volunteers to serve in this big crusade that's, you know, that's happening. She named the evangelist and all that. And she said, there was another. There's another young man from church who's also a volunteer. So you know, they have volunteers preparing for the crusade to serve as uh, 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 to help the seekers, to help those who come, you know, respond to the altar call. So they're preparing these volunteers and these two people. Two young people are, are, are being prepared. And then she comes and tells me this. He says, the young man came and told me, uh, let's have sex together because God's going to forgive us. And I don't know what to do. Now, this is some years ago, many years ago. <laughs> but here's the point. Our understanding of grace is so warped that it actually leads us to these kinds of decisions. Because we have not heard the full story of what the Bible teaches. Let no man deceive you with empty words. Of course, I immediately told her what, the, what she should do and how she should stay away from that person. And what is the right thing to do to live as a believer. Now imagine these two people are being, young people being ready to serve as volunteers in that big crusade. And this is the kind of talk that's happening. Let no man deceive you with empty words. A common thinking in Christian circles today is, you know, there is grace. So let me sin and say, God, I'm sorry. I'll sin some more. I'll say, God, I'm sorry some more. I'll sin some more. And I'll say, I'm sorry some more. Why? Because there is grace. But that is not what grace is supposed to do. Grace is supposed to empower you and me to say no to sin and say yes to God. Amen. So what are we seeing in this chapter? Verses 1 and 2. Saints imitate God and walk in love. Verses 3 to 6, we see that saints don't play with sin. Let's read on. Verse 7 onwards. Therefore, do not be partakers with them. So those people who come and give you empty promises, who tell you it's okay, you sin and God won't judge you, all those things. Do not be partakers with them. For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light, for the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness, righteousness, and truth, finding out what is acceptable to the Lord. So, here's the third thing saints do not participate in sin, it says, Don't be partakers with them. Why? Because you were once darkness, but now you are light. So, let's all say this together I am light. He's saying, You are light, just as. As different as darkness is from light, that's the change that has taken place in you. You are light. And so light has nothing to do with darkness. Do not even be partakers with them. But instead, I want you to do something. I want you to walk in the fruit of the spirit of God in you, which is goodness, righteousness, and truth. You do what is good, you do what is righteous, and you do what is truth as a believer. And he says in verse 10, find out what is pleasing to the Lord. So you do you, those things that are pleasing to God. You find out and do that. So don't be a partaker with those people who come and tell you, you know, come and do this. Don't be a partaker of them because you are light. Instead, you walk in goodness, righteousness, and truth. You find out what's pleasing to God and you do that. Are you with me? So what do you do in your college? If your friends come to you and say, hey, You know, anyway, you're going to go on Sunday to church, they give you communion, your sins are going to be washed away. It's okay, so come and sin a bit. (laughs) Or you know, they may just want you, they may want you to come and do wrong things with them. The Bible says, do not be partakers with them. You are light. Instead, you walk in goodness, righteousness, and truth. You find out what is pleasing to the Lord and you do that. Or in your workplace, if your colleagues, if your boss. If your boss's boss wants you to do something wrong, do not be partakers with that. You are light. You walk in goodness, righteousness, and truth. You find out what's pleasing to the Lord, and you do. So third, saints do not participate in sin. Fourth, verse 11, and have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them. For it is shameful even to speak of those things which are done by them in secret. But all things that are exposed are made manifest by the light. For whatever makes manifest is light. Therefore he says, awake you who sleep, arise from the dead, and Christ will give you light. So he says, don't fellowship with those unfruitful works of darkness. Don't get, become a part of it. Notice he says, unfruitful works of darkness. Meaning these works of darkness, they are useless, unfruitful. They don't produce any value, any good. They are unproductive. don't participate in those unfruitful works of darkness. But instead, you expose them. How do you expose them? He says, because you are light. You are light. So just by you being who you are, by being light... By walking in goodness, righteousness, and truth. By finding out what is pleasing to the Lord and doing it. You are being light. And light will expose that those works of darkness are unfruitful. So just be that. Just be light. And you will expose the unfruitful works of darkness. And through you, he says, God is giving them a message. He's telling them, awake, rise from the dead. Christ Will give you light. By you and I being light. Christ is giving them a message. What's the message going through your life? Awake from the dead. Christ will give you light. So. Fourth thing. Saints expose the works of darkness. By just being light. Are you listening? You are light. And by you being who you are. By you walking in righteousness, goodness, and truth. By you finding out and doing what's pleasing to the Lord. You are going to expose the works of darkness. You're going to help people see that what they're doing is unfruitful. And through you, he is saying to them, Awake, Christ will give you lights. He's speaking to them. Amen. So all of us, in whatever Place, vocation, wherever we are, whatever standing we are, uh, wherever we are, whether it's a school, your college. Be the light. By just being the light, you're going to expose the works of darkness. Then he says in verse 15, see then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise. So he's telling believers, walk circumspectly. That's a very tough word. It simply means walk carefully. Or we would put it like this, you know, do your due diligence. Walk carefully. See then that you walk circumspectly, not as as fools, but be wise. So think about this. God has done all these wonderful things for us in Christ. We are blessed with every blessing. We are the righteousness of God. We are seated with Christ in every places. All those wonderful things. But when you and I live our life on earth, God has said, I want you to walk circumspectly. Not as fools, but as wise. It's very similar to what Jesus said in Matthew ten sixteen. Behold, I'm sending you as sheep among wolves. Be harmless as thou's, but be wise as? So imagine sheep among wolves. Oh God, the wolves after me. Oh, God help. But he said, I've told you to do something. You be harmless as thou's. You don't retaliate. You don't fight. You don't do all that. You walk in righteousness, goodness, and truth. Be harmless as thou's. But you've got to be wise like You've got to live your life on earth with some carefulness, with some due diligence. So a very simple illustration is don't close your eyes and cross the road. In other words, you stand, look to your left, look to your right. If there's no traffic, then cross the roads. So many believers are like this. I am seated in heavenly places in Christ. I can go. (laughs) Sure, you are seated there. But on earth, your body is here. You better look left. You better look right. And then cross the road. (laughs) Amen? Walk circumspectly. So this is how you and I must live as believers. You know, sometimes we have this wrong idea. That just because I am... Born again, I'm, I'm, I'm living with Christ in every place and so on. I should not acquaint myself or be familiar with the systems of this world. Listen, you're in this world and you need, to know, you need to understand how the systems work here. It's getting quiet. Sometimes we are so heavily minded, we are of no earthly. Back up and go home, boy. There's a book out there that says being spiritually minded and earthly. Why? got to be both. Be spiritually minded, but you've got to be earthly wise. He said it there. The next verse, verse 16. Redeeming the time because the days are evil. In other words, he says, look, we are living in such an evil world that if you don't guard your time, the evil around you is going to eat it up. Your time is going to be consumed on this show and that show and that movie and this movie and whatever 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 and you wake up on you wake up Saturday morning and say god what happened to my week you know it's gone but the bible says you and i are responsible for redeeming our time because we're in an age where there is so much evil that can easily consume time and as believers we should look at time As a gift God has given to us and what we do with it is our stewardship. That we are giving, being good stewards of time and saying, God, I want to make the most of it. I want to give it back to you. I want to offer my use of my time in a very, very, I want to do it in a very honorable way as I use my time. He says, redeem your time. What are you doing with your time? Amen. And life, uh, there are many different seasons in life. And in each season, you need to recognize what can I do and, and seize those moments and make the most of those, those, those periods. I remember when I was in college, there was a time when, you know, during summer break, I was just only doing research. I didn't have any courses to study and so on. I used to go to the library and I started working on some of the books, some of the books that you have today. Like there's a book called A Time for Every Purpose, Fulfilling God's Purpose for Your Life, uh, The Refiners Fire. These were written back in 1993. I'm back, I think so. Yeah. When I was in college, now you're getting it in print and it says printed on date. But it was originally written. When I had time in my hands, I was doing studies. There's another book, The Lord is a Warrior. And I remember an entire summer, I had time in my hands. I went and I studied, studied the scriptures, trying to understand the warrior nature of God. Because the Bible said, came up with this thing. The Bible says in Exodus 15 verse 3, The Lord is a warrior. I said, whoa, that sounds very militant, you know. But then you begin to see the scriptures and you find that God is a mighty man of war. And so begin to study that and there's a book, we, we don't have it in print now, right now we should reprint it. But there's a book, The Lord is a Warrior, that talks about the warrior nature of God. But many of these things were done in those, in those periods of time when I, had, when I knew I had a little extra time, I would just go into certain things, finish it. You got to redeem your time. Amen. So think about things you and I can do. So... Traffic jams are in a blessing in disguise. If you know what to do when you're stuck there. Right? So if, you, uh, if you're driving, hey, just listen to sermons. Listen to the word of God. You won't get frustrated with traffic jams. <laughs> because you're feeding your spirit with the word of God. Or if you're being driven around, sit and read something. I remember in, in, when I was in school, and I'm, I know I'm going back in time. But we had a driver who used to take us. From we were living in Palace Orchard, Sadashinagar, come to Bishop Cotton's. So it'd take us good twenty-five minutes. But every morning I'd be reading. So I make use of the twenty-five minute drive, twenty minute drive from home to school and then back, I'd be reading in the car. Making use even of that twenty minutes, you know, nothing to watch it around anyway. So but making use of every moment reading. And I read so many books just in the mornings, up and down. During that time, going to school and back. So many books. So you and I can make use of every moment we have. We got to redeem the time because the days are evil. Amen? All right, nobody said amen. So it's okay. We'll move on. <laughs> Verse 17. Therefore, do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Notice both in verse 10 and in verse 17, it puts a responsibility on us to find out what is pleasing to God. In verse 10, he says, find out what is pleasing to the Lord. In verse 17, he says, understand what the will of the Lord is. That means I, as a believer, need to be looking to God and saying, God, I want to do your will. I want to know your will. Help me to understand. Help me to process this. Help me to understand your will. Don't just go through life wherever things take you. You direct where your life is going in accordance to what's pleasing to the Lord and in accordance to what the will of the Lord is. That's the believer's responsibility. Are you understanding? Says so you find out. You understand what the will of the Lord is. So how can I do that? Very quickly, one is we do it with a renewed mind. Paul writes in Romans 12 too, that when we are renewed with our minds, we are able to prove what is good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. So when your mind is renewed with the word, you can prove, you can examine, you can test, you can understand what is good, acceptable, perfect will of God. Let's close here now, verses 18 to 21. Do not be drunk with wine, in which is dissipation, but be filled with the... Spirit. So he's drawing a contrast here. He says, Look at a man who's drunk with wine. He's intoxicated. He's under the influence of something other than himself. He's intoxicated. But that's wasteful. But instead of being under the influence of that, you come under the influence of the Holy Spirit. That's being filled with the Spirit. What does it mean to be filled with the Spirit? It means that you are under. The influence of the Holy Spirit. Your thoughts, your speech, your actions, your reactions are all under His influence. And we are supposed to live like that all the time. So that's the normal Christian life. Under the influence of the Holy Spirit. Everything about me, everything about us should be under the influence of the Holy Spirit. How does it happen? You just ask Him. He the Holy Spirit, fill me. I bring every part of me in submission to you. Holy Spirit, fill me. I want to walk under your influence. I want to walk under the influence of the Holy Spirit. Fill me. Now, if you can imagine a little cup of water, glass of water. If it's full, okay, that's, let's say that's being filled. But in, in, in case the water level goes down, you can fill it up again. In our Christian life, when we grieve the Holy Spirit. Or when we quench the Holy Spirit, at that moment, His influence over us diminishes. What do we do? Bring it back up again. Say, Holy Spirit, I'm sorry I grieved you by doing that. Or sorry, Lord, I quenched you by not obeying you in that. But Lord, I just want to come back again. I want to be filled with the Spirit. I want to bring that area of my life back under your influence. I'm being filled with the Holy Spirit. All of us can do the very simple, constantly. Holy Spirit, you fill me. You keep me under your influence. Let my thoughts, my words, my actions, my reactions, my emotions just be under your influence, Holy Spirit. You're walking filled with the Spirit. How can you know you're walking filled with the Spirit? The next few verses are the marks or the characteristics of a person who's filled with the Spirit. What happens there? Verse 19. you be... Speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. There is, in, there's a song in your heart. There's this joyfulness. There's this melody in your heart to the Lord. Verse 20. You're giving thanks always for all things to God the Father. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. So there's a thankfulness in your heart towards God. And verse 21. You're walking in submission to one another. You're walking in humility. These are characteristics of a spirit-filled spirit filled you're thankful to God. You're just continuing praise to Him all the time. And you're walking in submission to others. These are the characteristics of a spirit-filled. You say, what what, what about speaking in tongues? Yeah, that comes under the gifts. We can all manifest the gifts. But you want to walk a spirit-filled life. These are the characteristics. A heart that is always in worship and always thankful to God. And a heart that is always submitted. Walking in submission to people humility amen so what did we do this morning we learned how to live as believers as saints this is what our life is supposed to be and it is God who empowers us to walk this way it is God who gives us the ability to live this way saints imitate God and walk in love saints don't play with sin saints don't participate in sin, saints expose sin. Saints walk circumspectly and they redeem their time. Saints walk filled with the Spirit. Amen? All those who are awake, say amen. <laughs> Tell your neighbor he's done. <laughs> All right. All right. Let's call our worship team up for a few moments. We're just, uh, just going to wrap and pray. You can remain seated for a few moments, please. And, uh, just take some time to pray as you're seated or... Uh, yeah, we will just get our worship team up here. I want to take a few moments just to pray about what we heard this morning. Our goal is not just to have a good sermon, but for, our, for us to assimilate the word, that it change our hearts, change our lives. So as you're seated, and as our worship team just plays for us very softly, I just want you to just pray and say, God, help me to imitate you. Help me to walk in love. If there is sin or a discompromise in your life in any way, we don't want to, want you to come under condemnation, but would you pray and say, God, I want to stop walking in uncleanness and filthiness. Or if, my, if your tongue is loose and you're just giving yourself to foolish stocking and not careful about your words, then you pray and say, God, help me change that. Or if you feel that the Lord is speaking to you, saying, you know, I want you to be more circumspect. I want you to be careful about your life. Would you do that? If you feel you need to redeem your time, you ask the Lord for help to do that. And we can all pray. Say, Lord, Holy Spirit, fill us. We want to walk under your influence. I want to bring my mind, my emotions, my thoughts, my words, my deeds. Under your influence, Holy Spirit, just fill me, Lord. We just take a few moments, please, to pray.
0: pure heart Let us lift our souls to another Give us clean hands Give us pure heart Let us not lift our souls to another Give us clean hands Give us pure heart let us not lift our souls to another Give us clean hands Give us pure heart Let us not lift our souls to another God, let us be a nation that sees Your face Oh God, oh Jacob, God, let us be generation that seeks, seeks your face. Oh God, oh Jacob, give us clean hands, give us pure heart. Let us not lift our souls. Give us clean hands, give us your heart, let us not lift our soul to another. But God, let us be the generation that see, your face, O oh, God of Jacob, God, let us be that sees, fix your face, O oh God, shake them. Give us clean hands, give us your heart. Let us not lift our souls to high. Give us clean hands. Let us not lift our souls.
1: We want to live as saints. You brought us. We were once darkness, but now we are light. We want to walk as children of light. Father, have empower us, Lord, by your grace. Empower us by your word and by your Holy Spirit. That we will walk as children of light. That we will be imitators of God as dear children. We will walk in love as Christ loved us. Oh God, that we will live lives that truly convey a message to the world that Christ will give them light. We welcome you, God. We welcome you. We welcome you. Holy Spirit we just pray you help all of us walk full of the Spirit to always walk under the influence of the Spirit of God to keep a heart that is having a song to the Lord that is thankful to the Lord at all times and to have a heart that is humble walking in submission to one another the fear of God uh us. Close. I just want to pray for a few things here. Um, is there anybody here? And I, I don't personally don't know of anyone, but is there anyone here that you uh, are dealing with buying and selling gold? You're involved in some sort of a jewelry business. Is anyone here? Just put your hand up. Here I can see. Is there anyone here? Up in the balcony? Anybody? No one? You're dealing with buying and selling gold? You're involved in some sort of a Jewelry business. Anybody? Okay. I don't see any hands up or anyone up. But if you're here, then just just come and just uh, meet with me. As I just feel I'll be able to share something with you, pray with you. Alright. I also want to do two more things. One is... uh, uh, just pray for people who have braces on. If you have braces on your limbs and your arms, your legs. just want to pray with you right now. Just release healing for your body. And uh, also, secondly, if there anybody else that you feel, you know, and the, the picture that I had was, you know, when you're driving on the road, you come into these potholes that kind of shake you up. I'm not talking about some small potholes, some big potholes that actually shake you up while you're driving. And... Uh, I just felt that maybe there could be somebody here, maybe more than one person, uh, That that's something that's happened in your life, that you've kind of hit a pothole on the road that shook you up, uh, and almost like this, the things that are very fragile in your life, and you're scared about it. You say, God, can my life handle this shake-up? And uh, there are things that are fragile, and, and so you're afraid whether you can hold up in that. And I don't know what that shake-up is, but it's like when you're driving on the road, you hit a pothole, and you... Um, uh, You know, you you say, wow, can I handle that? So I want to pray for these three. One, if you're in a jewelry business, I want you to come and meet with me. I want to pray with you. But if you have a brace on in your arms, your legs, I want you to raise your hand up. Or if you identify with this third thing that I said, that maybe you've hit something in your life that's shaken you up and you feel like, God, my life is so fragile. Can I handle it right now? I also want to pray over your life. So if you don't mind, the people you identify with these two things, just put your hand up. Gonna pray with you, right? Just put just put just put your hand up, okay? Let's pray. Let's believe God for healing and also for strength to come into the lives of these people who may have hit a pothole in their life and they feel like God. Can this was unexpected, you know. I didn't I didn't anticipate this thing on my journey, but it's so shaking me up. I feel like there are things in my life that's so fragile that could be that may fall. But I want to release strength for you and release healing for those with braces on. Let's all pray together. Father, right now, in the name of Jesus, we release healing, God, right now for those with braces on their limbs in the name of Jesus. We command healing, power to flow. I take authority over every work of the devil. And I say, release those limbs. Release those joints. Release those limbs in Jesus' name. And I release the power of God that brings healing into those limbs. And Lord, for others who may have hit that pothole on their journey unexpectedly, it seems like it's going to shake up something very fragile. Lord, right now we release strength. And Lord, I declare into their lives that it is not by might. It's not by power. But it's by the Spirit of the Lord that they will pass even through this. And they will come out stronger. And uh, nothing will shake. Nothing will fall. Nothing will be broken in their lives in spite of what they've faced. I release the power of God into their lives and declare Strength for them today in the name of Jesus. We thank you, oh God. Thank you. Thank you. We praise you, Father. Thank you. Thank you. Father, I just now pray and declare that the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. And the love of God, our Father, and the sweet fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with each one of us always. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. God bless you. Thank you for being here this morning. Go and live like a saint. Amen.